0: Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, this is Jed Hall, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm an academic development consultant at the University of Leeds. You're joining us in season five of our Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where we're diving into the effects of research impact on research culture and focusing in on different topics to ensure those effects are positive. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Dr. Faith Welsh and Jaylene Wehi-Pahana. Faith is the inaugural research impact manager at the University of Auckland, and Jaylene is the inaugural research manager of Vision Motoronga, And she will be joining us later. Faith joined Auckland just over six years ago. And prior to that, she worked at the University of Bristol in an impact role, supporting academics in the science and engineering faculties. After her PhD in parasitology, she worked for the Biotechnology and Biological Sciences Research Council, or BBSRC, in innovation and business engagement for three years before joining Bristol. Faith, welcome.
1: Kia
0: ora. Oh, that's lovely. What does that mean?
1: Kia ora means uh, hello, welcome.
0: Faith, I'm a bit of a sports fanatic. So before we get into talking about impact, you do a sport, roller derby, I'd never heard of before, before you mentioned it. So I decided <laughs> to look it up on YouTube. And to be honest, it looks brutal. So before we get into the impact discussion, tell me a bit more about it.
1: Yeah. So I um I used to roller skate quite a lot um as a child. Um as an adult, I I was out um roller skating with a friend around um the Bristol harbourside, hadn't put a pair of roller skates on for about 15 years, and someone came up to me and said, Have you ever heard of roller derby? and I hadn't and then I watched a movie about it um, and then somehow I ended up going to um, a roller derby training practice um, I ended up pay, playing for Bristol and um, we ended up traveling across Europe playing roller derby and um, played in Ireland um, played in Germany Denmark um, and then when I moved to New Zealand um, i ended up playing for auckland um and it turns out that uh playing ball derby in new zealand is much more exciting than in the uk because i got to play tournaments in hawaii and uh, australia um we we won our tournament in hawaii um and yeah it's a it's a full contact sport on roller skates um involving one person skating as fast as they possibly can around an oval shaped track and the other players on the opposite team trying to stop that person from lapping them essentially um yeah it's fast paced really great fun amazing to play um unfortunately i've just had my second child and i think i might have just about retired
0: brilliant i i guess we'd we'd better try and take some of that adrenaline into the uh into <laughs> a discussion about impact then and see if we can see if we can keep it going which is a full contact sport isn't it impact uh, you know interesting yeah. <laughs>
1: team sport team sport yeah
0: yeah yeah um so now that you've now that you're you're in New Zealand and your experience in the UK, I wonder if you could uh, tell us about any commonalities or differences between how impact affects the research culture in those two HE sectors.
1: Yeah, sure. So obviously, I started my kind of impact career in the UK and. Um, when I was at the BBSRC, I, I did look after or support some of our um funds that were kind of impact um related. Um, But it felt very much like impact in the UK was predominantly driven by the ref. And I won't say entirely at all, because there are many, many fantastic researchers who are driven um, by wanting to make change. Um, You know, impact has always been around, but that real acceleration and impact in the UK was ref driven. Um, And I think most people would say that. Um, But when I started at the University of Bristol, it was really exciting because my role was brand new um it was one of the first impact roles that was solely focused on increasing the impact from the research and um, within the university and not to serve the ref um so we were always making it quite clear to our researchers that we weren't there just to just to be creating impact case studies we were actually there to to support their research to make a difference um so it did feel like to me it was um kind of an assessment driven culture um that was kind of having to catch up with itself and it realized that it had used up all its impact case studies for 2014 and actually maybe they start needed to start kind of resourcing impact um for the future uh so that's kind of my UK experience and I actually moved to New Zealand um Sadly, only a year after I joined the University of Bristol. I will say I did my undergrad and my PhD at the University of Bristol, so it was fantastic to go back and work there in the future. Um, But I moved to New Zealand in 2016. And when I went there, I was told that impact was coming to New Zealand. Um, And that's kind of what got me a job at the University of Auckland, although I didn't actually start in my current role. Um, I just started working in the research office and they kind of allowed me to explore uh impact within the university to um teach people about what research impact was kind of on the side of my my role when I first started there um but when I kind of started to learn more about the the impact culture and the New Zealand research ecosystem um it was really clear that impact was already there um So this is 2016, I should say. Impact was already there. Funders were just starting to kind of bring it into assessment and grant applications. I think the Health Research Council was one of the first that really started thinking, okay, how do we um, uh, assess that pathway to impact? Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't a national assessment of impact like in the REF. Um, We had lots of researchers Uh, creating impact because they wanted to make a difference but really interestingly is that our Maori and Pacific researchers were having huge impacts within the communities because that's just how they do research so they co-design they co-create knowledge they utilize their indigenous knowledge um, and that the main parts of their research is about giving back to their communities and um, so that's just how they do research and um, so i remember just talking to to some um mountain pacific researchers and they just said this is you know impact is what we've always been doing it's just we've never been referring to it in that way And um, so i think that was one of the most interesting things um my role as an impact specialist, was one of the first in New Zealand, or was the first, I should say, in New Zealand, actually. There's now a really small handful of us. Um, I suspect there'll be more of us soon.
0: So, Faith, maybe I can dig a little deeper into that. I mean, Impact's always been around in every higher education sector, or else we wouldn't have innovations anywhere, would we? Mm -hmm. Um, But can can you pick me out a little bit more in terms of what maybe that that REF driven acceleration compared to what's happening now in in New Zealand?
1: Yeah sure so I think in New Zealand um, impact's kind of been driven by uh, culture and by individuals Um so as I described our kind of uh, indigenous researchers um, it's just how they do our research It's just how they do their research. And you tend to find that lots of our small research institutes, which there are many, um, they have their own impact agendas and they've slowly been building this up at scale. So I would say that in the UK, the REF really accelerated um, impacts at the forefront of researchers' minds. Um, It's been a slower process in New Zealand, but it's been quite grassroots. And so there's quite a lot more acceptance I think there will be an acceleration soon as there looks like there'll be changes to our PBRF, which is the New Zealand version of the UK's REF. So it's, it's how we assess um, the excellence of our research here in New Zealand. Um, it looks like in the next one, there will be some kind of impact assessment. Um, and I think that's going to bring some really, really big changes um, to impact the New Zealand
0: so for yeah. those of us that, uh, that don't know what PBRF stands for, what is it then?
1: PBRF is the Performance-Based Research Fund. I hope I've got that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's essentially the money that's given um from the tertiary education
0: commission. So, just moving on to um, another question, I was really interested in what you said about that, you know, grassroots aspect, um, because I noticed, um, you know, you were, uh, your work was uh, highly commended by the uh, Emerald Impact Awards in 2021, mm-hmm. and in reading your case study, you mentioned that COVID had generated a pause in the government's top-down introduction of impact and that gave you opportunities uh to do things from the ground up so can you can you give us a bit more insight into that into that grassroots and and bringing impact forward from that kind of cold face uh, experience
1: sure and i think um you know all um kudos can be placed on on the shoulders of our researchers here because they did some amazing things throughout covid um i think COVID put a lot of weight um, on our Indigenous researchers' shoulders um, to make sure that any policies that were coming from government weren't increasing inequities within their communities. Um, So they were doing amazing, fantastic research. That was funded at very short notice um, by our research funders, Amazing communications, really targeted science communications to the communities that really needed it. Um, outreach um, to ensure that people understood why they should be getting vaccinated, um, communities who uh quite rightly didn't trust the government um, and so needed to hear from um their own people as to as to why um why they should get vaccinated. So You know, this was, there was incredible impact going on throughout here. And it's because um, the government said, right, we just need to put the money into the hands of the researchers who can make change happen and quickly. Um, I think something really exciting as well that happened was, and I don't think you get this in many other countries in the world, um, New Zealand's really small. (laughs) Everybody knows each other. Um, They talk about there's two degrees of separation. So you're always only two steps away from Jacinda. Mine is um, my, when I interviewed for my current role, um, I was interviewed by the now um, chief science advisor to Jacinda. (laughs) So that's my two degrees of separation, Jacinda. Um, But it's just incredible because uh, we literally had our researchers just calling the director general of health and saying, this policy isn't correct. We need to change it, or we need to go into lockdown in ten days' time. We had some researchers at the University of Auckland who were advising on the modelling that was showing when we needed to go into lockdown, how long for, what the spread of the disease was going to look like, um, and a lot of trust uh, and support was put into our into our researchers to do that. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's that sounds really amazing. It's uh, a real collaboration there.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of. Um, I think there's a lot of trust Mm. between um, the government and the research ecosystem within New Zealand. Mm. Um, I think COVID highlighted that. Um, I think it highlighted to the public the importance of funding research. Um, I hope as well that it highlighted that um, by reducing bureaucracy, you can uh, increase the speed of impact. Yeah. Uh, which is really exciting to see. Um, and also I think it really highlighted the importance of really clear and effective science communication, mm. or I should say research communication. I don't like saying science communication because I think it um, ignores a large part of our research community. Um, but it, it highlighted the importance of that and the the difference you can make by clearly um, and unpatronizingly communicating uh, the latest research to the public.
0: I think that's a really great point. Um, you, you mentioned you mentioned on a number of occasions um, your indigenous researchers, and I know you don't want to speak on on their behalf because that would be wrong. But since you've been in New Zealand, how has your conception of co-production changed as a result of kind of observing how they do it?
1: Um, well, actually, I had a thought about this question and I thought that I'm not the best person to ask uh, to answer it. So um, I've actually invited my friend, Jailene Wehipahana. Um, she's the University of Auckland's um, research manager, Vision Mata Um Hi, Jaylene Kia ora. Hi, Jaylene
2: um, <laughs> Kia ora, Jed. Um, just before I answer it, I've just got to do um, a little acknowledgement. So Kate te mihi kao kōrua, um tēnei wā, um, ka, kōrera, ka haramai au ki te kōrero i tēnei kaupapa, um, kei te mihi kao koe faith, me koe hoki, uh, Jed. So I will just saying um, very much in my language in, in Māori is just acknowledging and thanking both of you for inviting me to talk on this topic tonight. Um and I'm just really excited about that. So um, thank you for having me.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, Jaylene. And, and thanks for giving up some of your some of your evening. Uh, you know, it's early morning for me, but uh, fairly, fairly late into the evening for you. Um, so I wonder if you could give our listeners uh, an overview of your role. And and, uh, and Faith mentioned Vision mataronga So could you tell us a little bit about what that is?
2: Sure. So um, I hold an inaugural role at the University of Auckland um, as Research Manager Vision Matauranga. It's it's in response to a policy, a government policy that has um, come out of New Zealand government. So a little bit of history around, around why this policy exists is due to the Tiriti or the Treaty of Waitangi that exists within New Zealand, which is an agreement between uh, the Crown and Tangata Whenua, or Māori, um, here when um, Cook and them came over, Hobson, I think it is, sorry. <laughs> One of them, when, when they came over and joined us um, way back, then they um, there was a treaty signed around obligations around what the Crown was, was responsible for and also what um, understood to be what Māori were responsible for. Um, so that's an agreement that forms the treaty has influenced, and because we're partners, we we seem to be partners with the Crown, Māori, um, this policy, Vision Mātauranga, came into existence, um, I think it's been around for about close to 20 years now, so in terms of things, I think it's still a very new policy, Um, it's very broad, but it's, it's, um, it's, what we would say it, it's probably focus or co um, up of this of this policy is around engaging with Maori in particular. It is a it is a policy that is focused on Maori or tangata whenua of um, Aotearoa. Um, so it's engaging with Maori to connect and be part of the research system in whatever shape and form that is. So we as Maori have a um, have a knowledge system and we have a, a science system in, in, in our own beliefs and our own own thinking and it's it's about bringing those two worlds together but not necessarily working in um, working into interweave together I don't know whether that's the right word but working together like that it, it both systems have their standalone but it's about enabling Maori to um, engage in the research sector and, and do that. So, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, and I guess we could really go into loads of detail just on what the philosophies and things like that around that and what the, what the different knowledge systems are, but, but I thought we might go practical rather than philosophical. So if I was coming to New Zealand as a, as a younger man, that, I, that unfortunately I am, um, as a researcher with some experience of co-production. So for instance, I grew up on a council estate in the UK. So if I had experience of working with those sorts of communities and researching with them, um, but I came to New Zealand for a new job, what would you tell me that would be kind of maybe different that I'd need to build into my co-production practices?
2: Um, It's what you'd probably need to think about if you're a new coming into, into Aotearoa and, and undertaking that kind of research, or just undertaking research, you know, full stop, it's understanding what a Māori world view is, and actually acknowledging and um, recognising that there's, it's not just one way that, that um, the world is viewed, it's not just through one set of eyes, it's not through the um, most dominant set of eyes, you know, which is European or 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 Pakia, which is we refer to them in New Zealand, but that there is an alternative way to look at, you know, the glass half full, half empty sort of situation mm. around that. So it's it's been open. My my advice would be that you'd need to be open to challenging your approaches mm. and challenging your thinking mm-hmm. and being okay with that, being okay that, that what you think and what you, you see and what you say may not actually be the way. Um, in particular, understanding how Māori exists, I think is a, is a key thing, understanding that it's not the nucleus of a family of his mum, dad and the kids, it's actually broader. You've got, you know, a Māori immediate family can consist of about 25 people. You know, that's aunties, uncles, um, cousins and everything around that. So it's actually understanding that um, when you talk to Māori, you're not just talking to one person and it's not just their sole view. Mm. Um, it's actually a collective view and um, and just, yeah. So I think that's that's probably a key if you're coming in to do that engagement, do that co-production or, or um, work with a community such as that it's actually understanding um where they come from and let them lead you
0: mm. right okay that's that's interesting it's interesting you said that about the family because i've irish heritage so i've quite a quite a lot of cousins <laughs> so i was kind of thinking <laughs> oh my god i'd have to be have to be associated with them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um so so in terms of in terms of just you know let's I, I might come back with with kind of further questions uh, as that as mm-hmm. that new researcher. so what what does kind of what does that showing of respect really entail? So if I'm meeting a Maori family for the first time um, how how might that pan out? you know what would I need to do?
2: Um, so it's some it, it can be just as basic as just taking your shoes off at the door. Hmm. You know, it's understanding their, 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 what we would refer to as tikanga, which is like their processes, um, not necessarily what what is probably the English version, which is rules, but just understanding how they operate. So Hmm. taking off your shoes when you go into someone's house, um, you know, um, a little thing such as if you're offered food, you know, even though you've just had a big lunch, it's rude to not engage with that food because, for us, having that that opportunity to sit at a table and share food, you're actually going through. Um, and this is, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole around this mm. and everything like that. But it is around sharing those um, those values, um, making sure that you're coming in as a um, as a friend and not an enemy, not a, not a phone, wha- not someone that's coming in to just, um, pillage us, I suppose is a word, you know, um, mm-hmm. so it's just been acknowledging that, but also acknowledging that, um, and I, and I don't think this is just for, um, Aotearoa, but I think across, across the world around Indigenous peoples, how the, um, doing research or or research is is a very dirty world because we've had people just come in and take and remove us so we're quite guarded around who we bring into that space so it's being able to humble yourself and go yes you could be um, some professor or associate professor or something like that but when you come through that door you are just you and we're not necessarily looking at you we're looking at who else is around you who who mm-hmm. supports you? Who works with you around that sort of stuff? So, it's it's just um, the ability to to um, be humble and actually understand who you're engaging with and how they operate. So, so being on that other side and doing and doing a little bit of, you know, thinking around. Well, how do they welcome us? How do they do that sort of stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it is about. That trust building and and just making sure that you don't do anything completely unconsciously that would destroy that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's it's all about trust. I mean, once 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 you're in in with um, and ins probably not the right word, but <laughs> but once you've built that trust and you've got that foundation and everyone's seen, um, everyone's benefiting. You know, there's that recipro- um, reciprocity occurring through it, through that process, that um, actually you then become part of the family. You know, you become part of that and you will, um, most most European thinking ways is that when a research project exists for three years or, or however long the funding is available for, but when you engage with indigenous co- um, communities and stuff like that, if you've had, it could just last for three years, but if you've built that trust and worked on that and created that reciprocity, um, it could go forever and, you know, um, you'll never, you'd never get out. You'll be invited to every family thing. You'll be invited all over the place. So it, it is definitely about building that trust. That trust is, if you can build that, you'll be fine.
0: Brilliant. Jed,
2: could, could I jump in there and ask
1: Jaylene a question? Of
0: course you um, can, might, Faith. Go I ahead. Think your
1: listeners might be, I don't know, quite, be, because don't it's know, something that, that, that I... I something about, like, hadn't um quite thought of previously um you know and we we always ask our researchers to not only think about what the impacts of their research are going to be but also consider what the negative impacts may be and so that they can mitigate them against them um, and Jalen, I don't know if you've got any comments because it was something that I think um I, I, I'm i a lot more comfortable with now is actually considering um, how our research and ensuring our research doesn't um, increase inequities um, in our Indigenous mm-hmm. communities. I don't know if you've got any comments about
2: that. Um, yeah, we, it's, it's always a challenge because um, dealing with Indigenous communities or, you know, First Nations communities um, is always... It takes a lot longer. <laughs> we say that, and it takes a lot longer because of the historical trauma or the or the history that's occurred with research. Because people come in, we think it's a really good thing, and they just absolutely take the information and flip it and make us um, look a little bit negative in those lights. So, that engagement with Indigenous um, communities is is does take longer and probably takes double the time you would with European because European have good outcomes with research um, and and they have no history or bad history around it. So there's no trauma for um, for European or, or white people to, to have that engagement with, with um, research. But it is about putting in the effort to do that engagement and build that trust with indigenous communities. Because what tends to happen is everyone has a great idea um, they get their cohorts and everything like that and they're just going to go ahead and then they think, oh, this is also an issue for Indigenous communities, we need to work with them. But what you're doing is you're actually progressing um, because you've done the legwork, you've explained the situation, you've got this. Um, the... It's not a good word, but the white co- cohort or the yeah. European European cohort involved in their off doing their thing. And now you've got to explain it to the indigenous people and um, get that build that trust, get them on board in the research and stuff like that. And you're creating a gap. So there already existed an in inequity. Um, very it's it's you know, very prominent in health. The health inequities for indigenous and non-Indigenous people is huge, but when you are when you're doing that planning and engaging it's a run you need to get those in, your indigenous community on board earlier and work with them before you go to the easy group you know mm-hmm. because um it's about bringing them on because as you as you work your project through one group's going to be always ahead mm-hmm. because you need to build you know cuz those indigenous communities need to have that have that um trust built first and once they're on board you'll be away laughing but um it, it is difficult and it is we are mindful around um it is easier to get one group and if you're if you are a non-indigenous person it's it's harder but that's also just a perception mm. around harder you know we've always I've always sort of thought around if you were to rock up to a um mm. you know a in New Zealand, we have fish and all So, if you were going over there to say you've got a really great idea to sell some medical technology or something like that, you know, you'd do your research around them, you'll find out what they're funding, you'll find out what they're doing. Um, you wouldn't just rock up in, you know, shorts and t shirts, you'll get all dressed up and you'd have your pitch and your plan. So, why is it harder to do exactly that for Indigenous communities? They're no different. They're just another group that you need to engage with through your research project. So why don't you do your research on them? Why don't you find out what is what's their issues and how you can help around that, because I I I don't understand that. Well, I, I can't engage with a non with an indigenous community because I'm non-indigenous. It's like, well, how can you engage with Fisher and Paykel? Um, and you're not a, you know you're not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're not Christian Michael, and you're not, you know, you're just a researcher, and you think you've got this good thing for them. But, you know, so it's around actually demystifying that, mm. that, um, that understanding. And there is work that non-indigenous researchers need to do, and, and I acknowledge that, but it it's, shouldn't stop them from engaging.
0: So, just I'm just really interested. We've been talking about how things are currently in um, in New Zealand in comparison to mm-hmm. the to the UK, but where do you think things will go next for the University of Auckland and the wider sector in New Zealand developing its research impact culture?
1: Yeah, well, I think obviously the changes to the PBRF um, are going to make a big difference. Now we, at the time of recording, we still don't quite know what the changes are going to be. Research impact is going to be introduced. I really hope um, that the powers that be have listened to significant feedback that people have been giving. We really don't want it to be the huge administrative burden that it is in the UK. A country as small as New Zealand cannot afford to take resources away from developing impact and putting it into creating stories about it um and i really hope that we don't go down that route um i think more positive things that are really coming i think the pbrf change is a a positive thing but i just have my um Uh, hesitations about it Um, but really positive things that are happening is that um, MB who are the Ministry for Business Innovation and Employment in New Zealand they fund the science and innovation system Um, they're in the process of doing a huge revamp um, of the whole research funding system Um, and it's been a really open and collaborative process Um, I think it's been a really positive thing Um, And there's potentially some really exciting change coming. Um, I really hope that more support for impact comes from it. Um, I've been told not to completely hold my breath. We might have to wait a little bit longer. Um, But I've seen huge amounts of change over the last few years. Um, Personally, I've really been focusing my efforts on connecting up impact specialists across New Zealand, Australasia, um, sharing best practice um, and kind of doing a bit of a grassroots. Well, if, you know, if the government can't give us funds to, to make change happen, how, how can we do it? And how can we keep pushing and prodding them? Um, and it's been working. Uh, what I would really, really like if they could give me a impact Christmas present. Um, I think the UK's impact acceleration accounts are fantastic. Um, and that's what I've asked um, the chief science advisor for MB. <laughs> if we could have those, please.
0: That's uh, we could go on all morning <laughs> for me and all all night for you. Um, it's been fascinating to to listen to to how impact uh, is affecting the research culture in in New Zealand and and how that interacts with other policies. Uh, Uh, like fully respecting and and including uh indigenous communities in the in the research practice out there um yeah we could go on all as i said all morning or or all night but i know you two both need to either go off and enjoy the rest of your shorter shorter (laughs) evening and so i'll thank you both um for, for joining us uh, joining us today and and illuminating our, our listeners about this topic, so thanks, Jaylene, uh, and thanks, Faith.
2: Thanks, Jazz. Thank you, Jid.
0: Now I'm going to hand over to Faith to give us a Maori goodbye. I believe, Faith.
1: Um, I just thought it'd been kind of appropriate to close um, with a closing catechia. Catechia uh, means uh, kind of prayer. Um, and uh, in all our meetings, um, we will open with one and we, we close with one as well. So, um, here we go. Uh, six years and my pronunciation isn't amazing, but we put a lot of effort into trying to to learn uh, te reo Maori. So, tēnā anō tato tēnāi o ka mihi atu, motepai te pai o te noho tāhi, me atohua o na korero. Norera e Aku Rangatiira, Hocupai Atu, Kytotarii, Kyokoto Kainga, ka Kyokoto Fano Katira, ka Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Kato.
0: Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.